Hi, I am Mick Abrahamson, a contributor for But Why Though, a geek community. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, lead designer for Drinkbox Studio, who recently released Nobody Saves the World, Ian Campbell. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm good, Mick. Thank you for talking to me. Of course. Well, first off, I loved Nobody Saved the World. I love any Drinkbox games you guys put out. And this one just, it grabbed me in a way that I hadn't really felt before for a game like this. So thank you to you and the team for making something that's been very special. <laughs> thank you very much. It's like it's a delight to hear that you enjoyed it so much. So first off, you guys have made games like a Metroidvania to Hack and Slash, and now a dungeon crawler RPG, which is a lot of shifting designs. What was the inspiration for going to this new venture? Um okay, I think I I'll just give a little insight into how the, the projects are picked, I guess. Please do because Okay, because like there's like I think around 10 to 15 people at Drinkbox Studios, and like we all play a wide variety of games. And I think when it's time to pick a new project, people just want to like try something different and they want to try something that excites them. So, again, when it's time for like a new project to be picked, we all kind of like get to brainstorm and pitch our own ideas. Um, and just depending on the ones that the whole team is excited about. Uh, that's the one that kind of like rises to the top and then everyone kind of jams on that and figures out what excites us about it. Uh, and in this case, the one that excites us the most was this idea of like an action RPG where you're just constantly getting new forms and new abilities and new quests and stuff. And we just kind of took that seed and ran with it. So did the project always start off with the idea of you being able to transform at will to these many different forms? Yes, I think... Okay, the actual kernel was, it was inspired by Final Fantasy Tactics and like the job system in that and how there were so many jobs and you just kept unlocking them and you could combine them. Uh, so definitely it was like the jobs, the number of jobs and the like being able to customize and switch between them. That is so interesting to hear that you all just sit around and brainstorm. What other ideas were pitched around it during this meeting? If you're able to oh, disclose man. that. I wonder if it's like, it's, it's probably proprietary stuff. Um, I can't even remember. There was like, oh, like an RPG about math and like, like a time loop game. And there's, there's so many, there was probably like 40 or more pitches. Like there's a ton. That's funny that you say time loop game. Cause 2021 was definitely the year of time loop uh, games. It would have been yeah, pretty fitting. Definitely. There was a lot of quality time loop content being put out the last year. So you mentioned that it was kind of based on Final Fantasy tactics with the job system. Were there any other books, movies, or properties that really inspired you guys for this game? Yes, but there's like so many. Um, like on the art side, I know Ren and Stimpy and like Adventure Time were inspirations. Um, even stuff like Jetpack Joyride or Minute. Um, or personally for me, like the Castlevania DS games or, you know, like Diablo or Path of Exile, like... There, yeah, there's qu quite a lot. And speaking on the art style, you guys have such a unique art style compared to everybody else. And it seems to be the big theme that really shows that it's a drink box game. Were there any challenges that you all face with trying to make that fit into this type of setting? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to recall the start of the project. I know there was a lot of back and forth about how to kind of like differentiate it a bit from the past projects. Like, you know, we have um, 
strokes now as opposed to guacamole, which was very like graphic design and angular, like vector art. Um, I think there was a lot of experimentation with like how many, uh, like how many frames of the character were necessary even like, oh, do we need like how many angles, like four, eight, 16, how many can we get away with mirroring, stuff like that. Um, I think those are some of the challenges we faced early on. And what went into designing each of the dungeons to make them feel different from each other? Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, there's so much content that got put into them in terms of like, uh, like, you know, there, there is some design to them, but there are also some procedural generation. So there's like the design mm -hmm. that went into uh, the broad overall layouts of them. Like, is it a multi-floor tower? Is it like a big, long arena-filled uh, gauntlet? Um, and then the, like, the chunks, the procedural chunks that kind of make that up. There was effort put into, like, making those distinct. Like, some dungeons use, like, watery ones or more organic-feeling ones, as opposed to others that are more, like, rigid and angular. Uh, there's, like, all these different traps. And, uh, like, we try to introduce a new enemy in each one uh we made sure to have like a unique sort of like final challenge in them that intended to like reflect the enemies and hazards that you sort of learned or faced in that dungeon uh yeah <laughs> we put a lot in i don't even know if like all of it is readily apparent but there was like a lot of effort put into that for sure no, it definitely did, and how each of them stood out from each other, from my perspective. So you mentioned how there's like challenge rooms at the end. What was the uh, decision to go from, you know, from like the bosses that you've had before, in like Guacamelee and Guacamelee Two, at the end of those dungeons, to having more of a challenge room feel? Um, I think honestly, it was probably just down to what was what made sense for like the kind of game we were trying to make, and the amount of time we had to do it in, like, because there's just so many moving parts uh, in the game that, like, all these overlapping systems and, like, intricacies that we're constantly trying to, like, figure out the best way to do them that, you know, making, like, an unauthored, unique boss involves, like, so many departments and so much work, like, mm -hmm. way more than one might expect, whereas something like a challenge can kind of be created with, like, some new work but some old work and hopefully it's like making the best use of our resources so thinking back on all of it do you have a favorite dungeon or dungeon theme i think my favorite dungeon is i believe it's the gingerbread house mostly because <laughs> i mean the art is like fun the theme is fun but the thing I like most about it is that it like introduces this corpse exploder enemy that's blowing up uh, the corpses of enemies that you kill, and especially that final arena is very unique in that like half of it is just enemies are like throwing themselves on spikes and dying, but then becoming hazards as a result of that like introduced enemy and creates like a little bullet hell scenario. So let's go back to the forms idea. So we had about twenty different forms that we could switch between. How did you all decide what were the final 20 forms? Um, I think it was down to, <laughs> I mean, it was down to how much we could fit in in the time we had 
if we had have had more like you know if we took more time there'd be even more i imagine but uh we just we just picked the ones that kind of excited us the most like to sorry to back up for a second when we were first starting the project uh augusto and mao the like concept artists they they put together this like dream version of the form tree with like a bajillion different forms like invisible man and reverse centaur and you know like all this wild stuff uh and so that was kind of like a touchstone during development where we'd be like okay we, we totally can fit another form in here like let's see what art what ideas design has let's see what ideas art has both in that document and otherwise and we just kept picking the ones that like excited us the most and maybe you know also factoring in the forms that existed at that time like oh there aren't enough forms with sharp attacks or we want another flying form like knowing the holes that needed to be filled would help inform the forms that we picked to do next were there any that were close to making it like nearly the finish line that just had to be cut out mm, no i think everyone that we like thoroughly worked on got put in the game it doesn't mean we don't have lots more ideas but like yeah every everyone we put effort into is like fully realized may we possibly be seeing more in a future patch um i hope so but i think it's a little too early to tell okay all right did the team ever debate or decide who was the favorite form out of all of them huh. Um, actually every, like we'd have milestones, regular milestones where the team would just kind of like stop working for a day or two and just play through the game and give all our feedback. And so there was constant, uh, discussions of like, oh, this form's broken. This form's the best one. Uh, and it would constantly change and there'd be like a diverse opinion among the team. Um, so yeah, I couldn't really like summarize it, but there's definitely tons of talk like that for sure. Where did the idea of the egg come from? Because that must be the one of the most unique ones that were in this game. <laughs> um, light spoilers, I guess. Uh, I think we wanted we wanted a dragon, and we wanted it to be like a Magikarp situation where you kind of had to like play as a dumb little egg first before you got <laughs> your like Gyarados reward. Uh, and I think we also wanted some forms that had an element of like surprise and humor about them where you're doing kind of non-standard things and so <laughs> the egg kind of ticked all those boxes like there was a couple other ideas that didn't quite make it like you could become ham and you could become stairs and then if you leveled them both up then you'd unlock hamster and stuff like that but <laughs> in terms of what was like even make even figuring out what to do with the egg was a bit difficult so uh, yeah, we had our hands full, like making that a real form. So let's go back to the development of this game. A lot of it was done during COVID. What struggles did the team face developing during this period? Hmm. Surprisingly, I think less than you would expect. Um, because we had at least a year, maybe a year and a half. So like about 50% of the development time, like in person. So we laid a lot of the groundwork We'd all been working together for a long time at that point. Like we were kind of like we'd hit the ground and we were already running. So even though COVID introduced some, you know, communication challenges of like accidentally interrupting each other and like Zoom calls and stuff, 
um, and slowing down conversation a bit, it it was actually I don't know the the team chemistry and the spirit of collaboration is still very strong, and I think it, it didn't really hurt too much. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Did you all have any special team building exercises you did to continue to keep that unity during that time? Huh. That's a good question. Uh, not specifically. I mean, even before COVID, we have like, you know, weekly beer o'clock where we all just kind of like hang out and play video games and talk and stuff. Um, and we made sure to continue that tradition, especially with, you know, Jackbox or like GeoGuessr or whatever. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. Did the team have a favorite Jackbox game to go to? Hmm. No, we, we jumped around a lot. I mean, my favorite is the rap battle one, but yes, that tends to bring yeah. out some pretty like some diss tracky kind of behavior. So I think it wasn't used so much. So recently, after you guys announced the release date, I don't know if it was around the same time, maybe before, but you guys came day one to Game Pass. What was that process like, and did it change anything regarding the release cycle for your game? Hmm. I there's probably some stuff I can't talk about, so I might of course not get super in depth. But I mean, it's definitely like an ex- point of excitement for the team because, like, you know, we're we're online co-op, so we're excited for so many people on game pass to like just have access to the game like with no risk basically and to just jump in and then the idea that even more people could jump in to like join their friends i think it it was it's just an exciting prospect for us the chance to reach so many people so easily with our game so again since nobody saves the world has been very different from the past couple games what were some of the lessons learned that you all had as a team (laughs) like an infinite number like, <laughs> like, how do you even design characters for a top-down game? How do you write the equation for a leveling system and how your level interacts with the levels of the enemies? And like, how do you, how do you design this quest system to be, you know, versatile enough to cover so many forms but not need new code every single time you make a new quest? Uh, like, there was a lot. I feel like the whole project was a giant learning experience, which was a lot of fun. Another fun thing about your games is that it's filled with Easter eggs. What is your favorite Easter egg that you might have hidden that you don't think many people have found? Hmm. I know a few people have found it, but I don't think many people have found it. There's like a little secret cave that has a real, I think like deep cut reference to path of exile one of the designers steel put it in there it's like i don't even play path of exile so i can't even fully explain it but it's you know a gag about exploding barrels and you know this guy has been marooned there because he's been exiled and it's just like an extended gag that the people the people who i saw get it seem to really enjoy it what goes in the process of making all these different Easter eggs, whether it be with the quests or just hiding some things on the wall? Like I found the Buster Sword, a Keyblade hiding in the armory somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. Like that one, the, the Wall of Swords, it's just... And many of them, I think, are just 
things that we just kind of riff and put in when we're making the game. Like, we're just like, haha, that would probably be fun. And we're just kind of trying to, like, entertain each other. Like, the Wall of Swords, the uh, the art director, Steph, just just put it in, because why not? There, there needs to be some decorations on that wall, so why not make it, like, a, a sweet Easter egg Wall of Swords? Or, like, the Path of Exile one I just brought up. It's just like, Steel is just making the level. He's like, ah, this would be cool to be put in here, you know? And so we're just kind of like planting the Easter eggs for ourselves as much as anyone else. Is there one that everybody saw and thought, of course, this makes so much sense or one that everybody loves the most out of all of them? Let me think. I think there's a lot of love for, I don't know if it's an Easter egg, but like the horse romance subplot. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> that gets like a lot of love around the office. Who was the evil person who hid that super hard to find fairy? <laughs> I I bet I know which one you mean, but can you tell me which one you mean? It's the one that's hidden on like a level two where you have to find the secret entrance <laughs> to the cave for. <laughs> okay, well, I will protect the innocent, but or the guilty, I suppose, but they'll be dealt with accordingly. <laughs> I just want to know because that was the last fairy I had to find, and I was running on the map for a good hour to two hours till finally finding it. It was the greatest aha moment. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. At least, you know, there was a, a moment of thrill at the end. It was, but it was also also filled with how dare they hide it this way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, don't worry. I'll, I'll pass along the strong words. Please and thank you. <laughs> and finally, what are some things about the game that you feel like haven't been talked about enough yet? Good question. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess because I've been, you know, we just launched it and we're all pretty, like, tied up in the response to it. We've all been consuming so much media about the game that I personally, I feel like every part of the game gets touched on, like, even more obscure stuff, like, that I thought only would matter to myself as a designer, like some of the systems design or, like, the mod design on the dungeons or even like a new game plus or something. I feel like it all gets like a pretty good mention, which is really nice to see. Well, that's so fantastic to hear. Um, I, well, thank you all again for creating such a really fun game. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, before we go, is there a game that you and the team are looking forward to the most coming up now that you guys are done with launch and moving on possibly to the next project? And or winding down, what are you all looking forward to most for 2022? Oh man, uh, like I know people are all about Horizon and the new God of War. I myself am really looking forward to Bayonetta three whenever that comes out, uh, and the new Zelda for sure. There's there's a lot to look forward in 2022. It's going to be like the year of games. It hopefully, if everything stays on course, hopefully we'll stay that way. <laughs> yes thank you again Ian for taking the time to chat with me it's been an absolute pleasure and congrats again to you and the team thank you very much and likewise thanks for having me on it's been a lot of fun uh, glad you enjoyed the game <laughs>